0: Email drjaclyn at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in. Hello, and welcome to USA Global TV and radio. My name is Caroline Heward, and I'm known as the Harley Street Stress Expert. Our show is Talking Heads. I'm an expert presenter on today's topic, which is understanding self-harm. And it's part of the mind and body connection series. Let's begin. So this term self-harm, it's been very widely used and not everybody understands it because there's a lot of media attention on self-harm. But some words strike out to you, um, sort of feeling risk guilty, uh, damage, uh, distraction, um, veterans come up, uh, numbing, and uh, neurotic feelings, reactions, all sorts of things kind of come up, you know, and there is a a lot of um, pictures uh, where uh, young people are showing their wrists, and, um, and there's a lot of misunderstanding a misconception and miscommunication about what self-harm is and what it isn't. And so what I want to do today is to briefly give you an insight and an understanding about what is self-harm. So I like to start with a definition and I couldn't find a nice picture definition that I felt comfortable with. So today's definition is a word definition What is self-harm? Self-harm, also known as self-injury, self-mutilation and non-suicidal self-injury. That's really important to understand. Non-suicide self-injury is a set of behaviours resulting in intentional self-inflicted physical injury to someone's body. So this is a very concise definition and gives you a bit of a flavor for the insights of why would someone deliberately harm themselves when our natural defense mechanism, our natural guard for life, is to preserve ourselves in life. So let's explore. So self-harm, again, it's um, people in the media have been, talking about, it's suicide, it's uh, knife danger, it's isolation, that the person's depressed, there's guilt, there's anxiety, there's abuse, control, aggression, uh, a mental warning, suffering, intentional, that there's a problem, neglect, hair pulling, there's all sorts of conversation and words that strike out when we hear the word self-harm, hurt, injury. So let's explore more. Why do people self-harm? When people are under pressure, whatever age, whether they're a child at school, or a young person, or an adult, when they feel under pressure to perform, to do well, in something like exams, if you're at school, or to be um, included in terms of uh, activities within school or college, to perform in exams and any assessment type work, to perform in your work if you're an adult, to hit those targets in terms of an adult, in terms of promotion. To perform when we don't feel in control is more this place of feeling under pressure when you have this inner requirement to perform when there's a confusion or an uncomfortableness about the pressure to deliver under that performance. When there's been a loss in a family, a family grieving, a family bereavement, a friendship uh, that's uh, dissolved, for an adult, a relationship that's finished, Uh, So bereavements can come in all guises. It's not necessarily an only just somebody physically dying. It can be a grieving of a friendship or a relationship that's broken down. It can also be for a child or a young person, a divorce in the family, a divorce of parents, a divorce of uh, siblings. It can be challenging in all aspects of the person's life in terms of a very close friendship that has ended in divorce or indeed as an adult your own divorce. It's sometimes likened to a bereavement, a loss of a physical emotional relationship. So grief sometimes especially when we're young it's very difficult to understand how to manage it, what to to do because we're not given directive when we're young uh, in school, in college, in universities as to how to really respond. There's lots of things that we should do and we have to do in terms of the practical and the logical and the formal side of a person passing away. There isn't, there's, there's not much detail and understanding and social acceptance of how we express our emotions and when we express our emotions. So there's a lot of uh, cultures that have grieving rituals, but that doesn't actually look at the person's own conflict of emotions, of handling their own inner emotions and how they're feeling about the situation. And because there is that overwhelm of not knowing how to respond, and how to react then the person decides to go into a way it's a strategy to handle the loss the bereavement school for a child or a young person and certainly also for an adult in the working place there could be a bullying situation there could be um, certainly in the playground uh, for children there's no escape if they're being bullied at school because social media has 100% access into their daily lives when they're at home, when they're in their family situation. So in certain social media platforms, then they're always open and exposed to bullying. For an adult, it's the same. At work, um, the social media platforms give an extension of the place that they can bully you and the intention of that bullying, which can be very exposed and the mental and emotional challenges that the person suffers. Abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, or behavioral, or for an adult, sexual abuse. For a child, physical abuse. So abuse carries many forms of charge. And when we're young, we don't know how to handle abuse. The first thing that we do is we shut down. That's the natural defense mechanism to shut down because it's very difficult to handle what's going on. So the body naturally shuts down the feelings and emotions to protect you because it's a protection mechanism. It's not something you decide. It's not something you think about. The body naturally protects you. And when you shut down the feelings and emotions, then they're trapped. And there's nowhere for you to express the overwhelm of feelings and emotions. Social pressures. Social pressures to perform. Uh, There is a lot of social pressure in terms of our social media environment now, where we have to look a certain way, speak a certain way, act a certain way. I've seen many young people, not that I've grown up with uh, social media, but very, very young people, even as young as um, five, six, eight years old, ten years old, um, you know, with their phones kind of in this angle, taking a selfie. And they're so young, I'm just completely surprised, almost uh, shocked that there is this intention and this uh, focus on how we look on social media. And so definitely for our very young people, that pressure to look a certain way and to always be on top of things can add to the social pressure. And in an environment, in a physical environment, there is definitely now, despite our world changes and the challenges that we are working through in our changed times in recent years, there is a lot of pressure to perform, to kind of just get on with it, to make sure that we're still being seen as being okay. And uh, that is not the case for many people, even if they're working in our challenging times, it is still a challenge to cope in this changed world of things that are happening currently in our changed world times. And there is a perceived pressure to be seen physically, to be well, to be okay, to be looking good, know to have look like that we've had that incredible sleep and so that we look dewy-eyed and fresh and bushy-tailed but sometimes those pressures that we're under in our physical home life in our school in our work in our education system they lead to challenges that there's no approach or way that we can handle it apart from what's being given as the way that we have to handle things And that might not work for many people. And I certainly know it doesn't work. So we get things like this, I am happy. That's just the saddest lie. Does this resonate with you? Because there is this social conformity to say I'm happy. Everything is good. I am, you know, uh, I know that the Americans use, I'm awesome, I am amazing. I am fantastic. But you know, sometimes there are days that you don't feel like that. But there is this requirement, this feeling inside to perform and to conform, to say despite anything and everything that's going on, I am happy inside, internally. And that's where it really matters. In your internal world, that's just the saddest life. And I just want to sit with that for a moment because it is okay not to be okay. Who says we have to be on top four all of the time, every day, every moment? Who tells us that we have to be okay and be happy? I remember when I was very young and I was out and about and sometimes I wasn't okay sometimes things did get to me and I would have people turn around and say what's the matter with you then you know turn that frown upside down you know sort yourself out it's not like you to be miserable what's the matter you know get together get yourself together put yourself up and I then learned that it was not okay for me to be not okay but I was always generally very lively, very bubbly, very happy. And so I learned to not show myself when I wasn't okay. I learned to hide when I wasn't okay. I learned just to close the door and then when I was okay again, to open it back up again and then become Caroline again. This was just something that I learned and something that was a behavior for a long time until I really looked at it in one of my very intensive and advanced trainings to see why it was causing me harm. So let's look a bit further. I'm sure that as a family and as a friend you'd want to know in your in your group, in your family You'd want to know some of the signs of somebody self-harming, because we wouldn't like to think, I am sure that anyone is suffering. Least of all, a close family member, or a close friend, or your loved one, a partner. You wouldn't want to not know. And so here's some signs to look out for when somebody is self-harming. There will be a tendency to withdraw from the normal things that the person does, whether they're a child, a young person or an adult, there will be a tendency to go into a form of isolation of going up to the bedroom or not being seen or in the playground, at school for children, they just won't go out with everybody else. They will hide somewhere where they're not being seen, but they don't have to explain things. For somebody at work, they just might not go out and do their normal social hobbies and social interactions. For a child, they might miss school activities, the playgroup activities, drama classes, music classes, all that extra stuff, sports classes. They just might not engage in that extra stuff that they used to engage in. This is the key because it's the pattern, it's looking for the signs, there's no one sign, it's like a combination of signs. It's a general withdrawal from their normalness of how they usually are being. Mood changes. This is when they'll be super happy and maybe in very, very quick succession becomes super sad. So it's like sort of the extremes of the the mood swings. So everything is wonderful and they're really out there and everything is fantastic. And then there's a complete denial of that happiness in terms of a sadness, a loneliness, a, a, almost a depression. So look for those mood swings. A person will be risk-taking for an adult. They might, um, if they drive a car, they might sort of drive a little more recklessly. Uh, they may uh, use um, recreational substances, overuse them, or have an escape in them. Uh, alcohol, even for a young person, you know, alcohol, recreational substances, is definitely a way to escape a way to withdraw from their normalness of not being able to cope. Uh, For an adult, they might be a bit more promiscuous. Uh, They might have a lot of unsafe sex and be a bit blase about it. And they might be blase in their social media posts that everything is wonderful on the external. You know, they're having this joyride or this fantastic experience. And actually underneath... not really feeling too okay. Covering up. This is something that uh, you really have to look out for and it's something that will happen that you will see more often than not when it's warm, when it's really warm and the person is wearing long sleeves. Whether they're a young person, a child or an adult, this will follow through for any age, but they will cover it well long sleeves, um, jumpers, jackets. And even if it's steaming hot, they just won't take off the sleeves. They might cover up their legs wearing short not wearing shorts when it's really warm. And you'll kind of go, you know, aren't you hot? You know, that, that's the expression that we might say, hey, you know, are you alright? Are you you know, are you not hot in all those all that get up? You know, so take some layers off the person is covering up because they don't want you to see. They don't want you to see their self-harming. They're embarrassed to the point of feeling ashamed that this is their way, their strategy of expressing the unexpressed emotions. And you might find uh, people like sort of bringing their sleeves further down know onto their hands almost to hide or tugging at the sleeves they might actually be wearing long trousers thick trousers because uh, part of the self-harming is to continue that space of self-harming so they might be harming themselves in the upper thighs where it's uh, more painful when clothes rub against it and so if they're tugging at their clothes especially if they're tugging at trousers, blend um, an ear. This is a sure sign if they're tugging at their clothes. If you happen to see unexplained cuts on their wrists, if their sleeves move up, unexplained bruises, they might say that they're being a bit accident prey, but it will come out, you will feel. That it doesn't feel genuine. Most of the time, they just won't explain and go silent. If their sleeping changes, if they're overly sleeping or not sleeping at all, this is a sure sign. If their eating habits change, if they're overeating, comfort eating, or indeed not eating enough as a form of punishment. These are all signs, physical signs, that someone is self-harming. Look out, be mindful, and be there. So emotional signs of self-harming. There will be the onslaught of depression. A feeling of complete hopelessness. That they just don't feel good enough. They're not worthy enough. There'll be an utter place of the world would be better off without me. They might even say things like that. Which we might say as as a person that isn't self-harming in our conversation. Oh, the world will be better off without me. But this is this is much more deeper because it's coming from a much deeper place. You'll find that the self esteem has got rock bottom, there's a lack of confidence, self-esteem, and a lack of feeling in their power to be able to control anything. There will be a huge level of shame and guilt around self-harming because they know it's not okay. And at the same time, it's the only way they have found, it's their strategy for coping with overwhelm. Coping with an experience that they just don't know how to cope with. An event, an experience, a situation. Because the experience is just overwhelming. And nobody has shown them how to express the unexpressed emotions. They might move into a place of blaming. Blaming the weather. Blaming the person. Blaming the school. Blaming the job. In a place of inconstant complaint and blame, they will also feel a level of burdensome. This is the word that's used that they will feel a burden to their family, their friends, their relationship, their extended family. They will just feel like you know life won't be will be better, won't be good with them it's going to be better for everyone. So this isn't a place where they're hijacking the limelight. This is that they feel that life would be not better if they're not around. So they will feel a heavy burden for being there and being in this place of focus, of not coping, in this place of harming themselves. Let's look at some misconceptions about self-harm. It's definitely not suicide behavior. The person who is self-harming is not trying to end their life. They are really not. And this is really important to understand. Self-harm is, is not about seeking attention. The last thing that they want to do is to get your attention. So a lot of self harm is hidden. It's behind closed doors in their bedroom. It might be in uh, it might be in places, you know, in their home if they're an adult, away from people's eyes, out of the public domain. They certainly don't enjoy self harm. It's not something that they're laughing about. It's not something they're contemplating and bragging about. It's really important to understand these things because, in the media, especially, and this is why I'm looking at mind help. In the media, especially, it's looking very glamorized. It looks very, you know, sort of that. Oh, they're, they're, they've been self harming for a long time. They just want attention. You know, this is just them seeking attention. This is because they just want to end their lives with it, just get on with it. And that makes the person who's self-harming feel worse. And so it's really, really important to have some understanding about what it's not. It's not stereotypical with the reinforcements of um, people that uh, are emus, for instance, Uh, the goths. There is a lot of misunderstanding that goths and emos and heavy metalists and rockers are into harming themselves and hurting themselves. It's not stereotypical at all. And emos are not in that space of harming themselves. This is just an inappropriate misconception. It's definitely not gender specific. Many times in the media, it's portrayed as only uh, female. There are many men that self-harm, so it's absolutely not gender-specific. It's also not about self-inflicted wounds. Now, this is a strategy that soldiers use uh, when they want to terminate their time uh, in the army because of Post-traumatic stress disorder, and this is a well-known strategy of soldiers uh, who want to get out of serving, and so they will inflict wounds to get out as a strategy. It is not self-inflicted wounds in this way, and it's definitely not a form of Luch-Hansen's syndrome where we're looking for attention the person who is self-harming the last thing they want is your attention this is a very private experience in a way to handle that then expressed emotions and feelings the self-harm cycle there will be a trigger event something that's happened that they feel uncomfortable about, a difficult situation, an experience that they didn't perform well, and in that trigger, that experience, there will be a form of self uh, of self guilt and shame that they didn't perform, that they don't know how to cope, and this moves into an, an emotional suffering where they have an emotional overwhelm where there's no escape. They just don't know what to do with the experiences that they're experiencing because we're just not taught how to express our emotions. Certainly for the British, there has been an understanding, certainly throughout my whole lifetime, that we have the British stiff upper lip, that we're not supposed to express when things aren't being okay we kind of just get on with it and over it. There will be then an emotional overwhelm. An overload. Just not having any escape of how to cope. And then this leads to the person who self-harms to hurt themselves. Remember, this is not an attention-seeking exercise. They are self-harming so that they can change the pain that they are feeling, move it into something else because they don't know how to express the pain that they're feeling. So they move it into a different type of pain, a physical pain and the pain physically gives them a form of temporary release, a form of "ah, oh, that's okay. But this temporary release is very very temporary it's extremely short-lived and then they move back into the cycle At this time going into a feeling of guilt and shame about the self-harming about the cutting about the bruising and in that emotional suffering they become an, an emotional overload and an emotional overwhelm And here begins the perpetual cycle. And if you see this, reach out to the person you suspect that is self-harming. Because even though it's difficult for them to talk, they would probably welcome a way to release in a different way. If you are self-harming, here's some distraction techniques for you to use That will help you move away from that place, that trigger, that moment that moves you into wanting to self. Write it all down. Write down what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're not able to express. Get it out of here and onto paper. Write it down on a piece of paper that you can rip up into tiny pieces and destroy. So this isn't keeping a journal. This is writing everything down that's coming up for you. Your triggers, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Write it all down and destroy it. Because when you destroy it, that act of destroying the words on paper can give you an emotional release. When you meet and feel the trigger to self-harm, stop. Instead of going into a private place where no one can see you, walk into a public place. Because people who self-harm don't want to be seen. So take a walk to a park in nature. Go to a store. Do something in public. And that will move you from the trigger point into a place of moving through the trigger. Venture anger. This is one of my favorites. Vent your anger in whatever way feels right for you. If you want to scream, scream. If you want to shout, shout. If you want to punch that cushion or that pillow, go and do it. It'll make you feel better. It will release that frustration, that tension that has built up, that anger, that emotional overload. Don't worry about what anybody might say or think. Vent your anger. Some people go to a gym and they punch the life out of a a punching thing, a punching bag. Some people will go to a gym and they will run on a treadmill and they will give it all they've got. Find your way. To vent your anger and release it because you will feel better. Breathe. Breathe all the way down into your belly. Breathe into your body and when you breathe into your belly the thoughts clear from your mind and you start feeling connected to your body again. Meditate. There's many apps that you can buy, download, where you can just follow along a guided meditation. And those are probably some of the best ones, um, which will relax your whole body from the head down to the feet. Find the way that's right for you. And definitely breathe. Breathe in through your nose and all the way down into your belly. Extend your belly. Breathe oxygen into your belly that will take you into the emotions and allow you some space to express in whatever way is right for you emotionally. I know this is a tough one, but I really invite you to find someone that you feel that you trust, to talk to someone, remember your family, sibling, a friend, a mentor. Talk to someone. Because when you reach out and talk to someone, you will find it's not as hard, it's not as challenging as you thought it might be. It's not as big as you thought it might be. You know, we have a saying, a problem shared is a problem halved. Reach out and talk to someone. There is many, many professional organizations that will be there to help you. Reach out, if you're at school, young child, a young person. Reach out to your teacher or your support person, your lead support person. Reach out to your doctor, reach out to places like MIND, the Samaritans. Reach out to your local council and seek free NHS support. There is plenty of support, I promise you. There is. If you suspect somebody who is self harming and they're showing some of these signs after listening to this this presentation and you are worried in any way, be open and express your concerns to the person. Be honest. Share that you're concerned that they may be self-harming, and you're worried about them. Be open to listen without judgment. Be open without blame, without shaming them, and without giving in to your response and your reaction. Because it's so easy to turn around and say something like, oh, what's the matter with you? Sort yourself out. What are you doing? Just stop that. This is the last thing that you want to be saying to them. You want to be open and listening without any judgment or expression of any blame. If you're a parent, a sibling or a close friend or the partner, you don't want to be spewing all of your stuff onto them. You want to be open and listening and helpful. So your reaction is something for you to handle. The person needs you and they need you to be having an open dialogue with them. Don't push for detail, be open to listen. Allow them to share what they feel comfortable to share. Have an open door for them. Make sure that when you do reach out, that there are no distractions, that they feel safe. This is really important. Create a very safe, open, honest environment for the person that you are worried about to be able to speak. I know you might be alarmed. I know and I understand that you might be worried. And all of that blame and that guilt that you didn't see it might come up. That it's important to be there for the person that you feel might be self-harming. Seek professional support. This is really, really key, to seek professional guidance. There are many people that can help you with this type of situation. It's more common than you think. From every wound, there is a scar. And every scar tells a story. A story that says, I survived. Let this be your story. If you are self-harming, I survived. Because you can survive this. It is about being open to express how you feel. And letting people know when things are difficult for you when you're not coping with something that's happening. Be feeling comfortable, to be honest about how you are feeling. The pain from self-harming will never ever equal the the release that you can get by speaking to somebody and by seeking help outside. Cognitive behavior therapy is an incredible way to help you express and release the things that you're feeling when you feel that overwhelm of emotion and not able to cope and not feeling in control. Be the next person that says, from every wound there is a scar and every scar tells a story. A story that says, I will survive. finally, it's okay to not be okay. Society tells us that we should be okay all of the time. In our world changes, there is a lot for children, young people and adults to cope with. It's completely okay to not feel okay in our current times and not to show up as being happy all of the time and allow yourself the luxury of knowing it's okay not to be okay. Thank you for your attention and your interest. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel USA Global TV and Radio. You can find all of our Talking Heads episodes under the playlist Talking Heads 2022. Please, please. Do reach out to me if I may be of service. You can contact me on no more stress at live.co.uk or call if you're international plus 44, zero if you're local, 7523 120 189. I offer a free, no obligation consultation. I'm at the moment studying a very intensive and and extensive self-harming and suicide course. I am surprised at what I am learning and how much I know and I can help someone. Allow me to help you. Please reach out. There is no requirement for you to suffer in silence anymore. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you next week.